1: Do you think you could go 30 days without alcohol
0: (laughs) I think I could go close to nine months without alcohol
1: (laughs) (laughs) that was probably one of the scarier parts about this movie
0: yes oh my gosh 30 days of pure darkness I was wondering is the alcohol thing real because this is a real
1: town right that scene where the barmaid or the, the cafe maid is saying, no, we don't serve alcohol for the next 30 days. I wanted to look that up because I was like, that's weird to just cut it off for 30 days and then it's fine again. But um, the town is actually considered a damp town all the time since 1995. They actually uh voted for Prohibition. Oh, well, OK. Yeah. What is-
0: I've heard of. Dry towns. What what is the difference between damp
1: and dry? So damp means you can bring your own in from outside of Mm. the town. I see, and it's got a limit to it to how much you can bring in. Oh, so So it's like what we're doing with pot
0: everywhere else.
1: Basically, (laughs) yeah, right. So it actually is just you know a non-alcohol town. They used to have. Businesses used to be able to have liquor licenses and and serve alcohol, but 1995, they they cut all that out. They were having a lot of problems with um, alcoholism. The uh, citizens decided they had enough. I am so fascinated by these company
0: towns where it's a super small town, really rural, really remote. There's really one type of industry. There's all of these kind of archaic or arcane laws in place, like the idea of a damp town.
1: Literally the first time I've heard of this. So interesting. Yeah. And they wanted it. So for those of you guys who can't tell, we are talking 30 Days of Night, uh, which takes place in Barrow, Alaska, which is now referred to as Utqiagvik, Alaska. And it is the northernmost town in North America. Very cold. Very isolated. I think that this is an excellent concept
0: for a horror movie and I feel like we should be getting one horror movie a year every year for the rest of time set in Utqiagvik because there's so much territory to explore in here oh my
1: gosh it's just like vast and it's stunning it's very beautiful yes and it's scary this you know the setting is just like the thing which Mm -hmm. I found also terrifying yes Right, a group of people isolated, and there's a monster (laughs) living with you. Exactly, it's it's really scary. It is just ripe for so
0: many different types of monsters. I mean, you've got the thing, you've got Thirty Days of Night here, where obviously it's a night-based creature. With vampires, you've got the possibility of just someone losing their mind and serial killing everybody. I mean, it's so remote and so isolated. And this above the Arctic Circle aspect of extremely long nights to the point of then full night for a period of time, it really just tickles my like horror nerd
1: fantasies. (laughs) I've been to Alaska in the summer and it was weird because at the time we went, I think there was maybe an hour of nighttime. It was Mm. the most bizarre feeling to go to bed and it's bright light outside like we would have to uh, cover the windows and block out any light coming in because we couldn't sleep <laughs> it was yes. so weird
0: uh, yeah that's how it was in Iceland when when we went it was coming into to summer and there was a few hours each night where it would get kind of dark but it was like twilight it wasn't like full nighttime. And so, you know, every place is outfitted with blackout curtains <laughs> because you <laughs> you would go to a pub for a beer and it would feel like it was one in the afternoon and it's actually like 10 p.m. It was just really bizarre. That's Midsommar.
1: Yeah, man. And there were a handful of good actors in this movie, too, and, and some familiar faces for us. Number one, we have Ben Foster, who was in Pandorum. I'm really glad you called him out. He's He's got kind of a bit role in this
0: one, but he plays the stranger. He's the he's the guy who,
1: who rowboats his
0: way. Ruins in.
1: everything. <laughs> I know. He really sets sets up the whole scene for us. Oh my god, that rowboat scene. I totally forgot about that. But that looked so dire and <laughs> scary, <laughs> just getting to land even amongst all the Chunks of ice floating around in the ice cold water. Oh my gosh. Yeah. His introduction is frightening. It just doesn't
0: seem like a place for humans. Every time they're like trying to drive somewhere or there's a blizzard or they're showing the the endless ocean that they're surrounded by, I'm like, why? Why are you here? This is so obviously not meant for human civilization. But I mean, of course, Inuit people have been. Yeah. In uh, the Northern Hemisphere and very Northern Hemisphere for a long time and have totally made it work. It just like blows my
1: mind just seeing how harsh this environment is. Have you ever watched Idiot Abroad? I have not. Okay. Idiot Abroad is this show where they take this really grumpy, not very fun guy, not very, and he's also not very PC. He gets to choose from a list of things that most people want to do before they die. It's like the ultimate bucket list of cool things to do. And he gets sent to these excursions and he hates it. He always hates it. They always make him do stuff he doesn't want to do that he's not comfortable with and he also is just an extreme whiner. So there was an episode that took place in this part of Alaska and it was it looked miserable for him, Kate. We'll have to talk through some of the things that he saw, but I highly recommend watching this episode so you can get a sense of what it's really like to live in Utqiagvik. It's this place in a sea of snow. Nothing for miles but snow. No paved roads. I couldn't do it. Somehow they do. Josh Hartnett. He's also a major character. Yes, he's the main character, yeah. He,
0: yeah, he's the main character. He's the the town sheriff, Eben. Interesting name, yeah. Uh he's been in a couple horror movies. He's he was in The Faculty, which I haven't seen, but we have referenced in a previous <gasps> episode.
1: You haven't seen it yet. I oh, haven't yeah. seen it. Oh, fun. That'll be a fun one. <laughs>
0: uh and he was in Halloween. Uh I think it's I think the pronunciation H2O. is H2O,
1: but it's H2O. Yes. But I saw that movie in theaters, and it has nothing to do
0: with water. Funny, I would love to see Michael Myers on, like, a cruise ship just, like, terrorizing yeah. his
1: sister. Jason X, Jason in space. Now it's Michael Myers on the open seas. <laughs> Carnival Cruise Line. Uh, Danny Houston is a major character in this movie. He's uh, related to Angelica Houston. <gasps>
0: That's so exciting. I had no idea.
1: I didn't realize it till I was looking at the Wikipedia page for him. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That makes sense. The name checks out. I've seen him around. Um, but what jumped out at me was his role in Marie Antoinette as yes. uh, the king of Austria. He has been in so many things.
0: He's one of those kind of character actors that you would see his face and you would know exactly who he is, but you would never be able to tell someone his name. Mm-hmm. Right. He's been in a a couple of horror movies. He was in the number 23, which is kind of a horror thriller Jim Carrey vehicle. And then there was a reboot retelling of Frankenstein um, that came out not that long ago, actually, that he was in as well. And he plays
1: Dr. Frankenstein in that one. Oh, cool. Uh, Another another character that jumped out at me was Mark Boone, Jr., He plays, you know, I forget his name, but he's the guy with the tractor. He's got the curly hair. He's kind of gruff. Mm -hmm. He's a character actor that you'll see now and again in movies. He was in Dark Knight. He's just one of those guys that is like a familiar face, but you never know their name. (laughs) That's how I felt about Melissa George.
0: Who plays Stella. She's the ex-wife of our sheriff. Um, So she's the other kind of big main character in here. She has just built her career on horror. Like, she has been in so many horror movies. It's kind of amazing. Amityville Horror, um, Lonely Place to Die, this movie. That's, like, not even half of, like, the number of horror movies she's been in. So she got to make out with Ryan Reynolds. Was that – he was in the Amityville Horror?
1: Yeah, he was in the uh, remake of the Amityville Horror. Oh, my gosh. I am um, – I actually don't think I've seen the remake of the Amityville Horror. (laughs) It's all right. I liked it. And, you know, you get a little bit of naked um, Ryan Reynolds, which is great. There you go. (laughs) I also wanted to give a shout out to Sam Raimi, who is the producer. Sam
0: Raimi, just quality. Oh he's I know. so good. Horror quality. Horror quality. <laughs> perfect, perfect director. Speaking of directors, um, this one was directed by David Slade. He's got some horror bona fides himself. He directed Hard Candy. Oh. Yeah, he directed a couple of Black Mirror episodes. And most importantly, he directed the Twilight Saga. <laughs> <laughs> eclipse
1: oh my wait just eclipse just eclipse okay
0: <laughs> wait that's the third one right not to spoil our reviews at the end here but seeing that he directed one of the twilight movies it actually made me want to go back and rewatch it and like judge it against the others to see if it's
1: like remarkably better than the other ones or not <laughs> I know. Now I'm wondering. I really not to jump the gun, but I I enjoy this movie quite a bit. I think we should do a plot summary
0: so that we can get into it. Yes, you're right.
1: <laughs> I totally forgot we haven't done that yet. Yeah, know, go we we're just for so it. excited
0: to talk about this. We got like 15 <laughs> minutes into this episode, so we are in Utqiagvik, which they are calling Barrow um, in this movie. So we're in Barrow, Alaska. And the whole town is prepping for the 30 days of night that is to come. People who are trying to leave are trying to get out of town. People who are in town are getting their supplies set up, making sure everything is square. Things start going wrong when Ben Foster, the stranger, shows up and starts sabotaging the town. Cell phones are stolen. Sled dogs are killed. People, especially the sheriff, are starting to go on high alert because of this And once night falls, that is when the rest of the vampires show up. And they are led by a leader named Marlo. They are ancient-seeming vampires who just work their way through killing every single person in this town that they can. We will get into it. There's a lot of deaths. It's a high kill count in this movie. That's a long, long month. Our characters spend most of it in an attic. Yes. Let's talk about time in this movie because I could not stop thinking about how, how few horror movies take place over the course of this much time.
1: Yeah. You're always up against the clock. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this movie, you are in a different sense, but time is always racing, right? Mm-hmm. Or like death is following you it gets you. It gets the main characters. Mm -hmm. It gets their friends. But here we have a time frame that our characters are stuck in. They need to stay hidden for 30 days because once the sun comes up, they know these guys will either leave or they'll get burned up by the Mm -hmm. sun. And so, of course, the movie is going to take us through all of those 30 days. And I really liked seeing how people survived for 30 days because they had to use their wits they couldn't they couldn't just freak out and act like idiots and get shot up or you know eaten
0: i think it was interesting to see how they hit a point uh, about midway through the 30 days where they they need to get to a, a, the general store they need food they need supplies they have to use any opportunity that they can that blizzard hits, and they're like, okay, we're going to use this as cover because they have no alternative to be able to get out of this attic. And time is, is their enemy in this movie, but also they know that once that timer is up, that they're free. So they just have to wait it out, whereas in other movies... It's taking place over the course of a single night or maybe a weekend. Of course, Rosemary's Baby, I think, is maybe the longest Mm -hmm. because it takes place over the course of nine months.
1: (laughs) I was concerned about your bathroom usage. (laughs) That's always the first place my mind goes when I think about being stuck in one place with a bunch of other people. Like, how do I take a shit? Oh, my God.
0: I get blushing bladder. If I'm in a work bathroom, I like don't even want to talk about this on the podcast. If I'm like in a work bathroom (laughs) stall and I'm having to use the bathroom if I'm peeing and like someone comes in, I like can't continue. Oh, man. It's bad.
1: That's rough. I think
0: I would die. (laughs) (laughs) I think if I were in this situation, I would just be like, just take me now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You just go present yourself to the vampires outside. Okay, this is something I learned from Idiot Abroad, actually. I was wondering how they dealt with the bathroom. I was legitimately concerned about that. And when Carl gets to Alaska, he quickly realizes that you can't have pipes. Right. Yeah. They'll freeze. You have an oil pipeline. I think it's like. It must be, and I didn't look into this, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but it must just be too expensive Mm -hmm. to have pipelines for things that you can work around. So obviously, oil, you can't work around that, but water, you can bring that in, and you can shit in a bucket, and you can have somebody come by to pick it up every day, and that is what they do. I am distressed. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it makes total sense, but I was like, oh, oh, I would never choose this. (laughs) This would never be a place I'd want to visit.
0: So is there no, like, septic tank system there then? It's just you shit in a bucket and someone comes and picks it up? It's buckets, man. It is a bucket life. Can you imagine deciding to settle down and raise a family, hopefully generations a family,
1: in a place where you still have to shit in a bucket. Oh, my God. Oh, and and I, I forgot this. Uh, what they use for toilet paper, because they don't use toilet paper. They use blocks of ice chiseled into a wedge. <laughs> that cannot be real. <laughs> I mean, okay, so he's like, where's the toilet? There's There lo- appears to be a bathroom where there's a sink, but there's no toilet. So he goes outside, there's a bucket, and the guy who shows him to his little cottage is like, here's a chunk of ice, you know, you just kind of push it into a wedge and you use that to clean. And that's it. I feel like my sheltered California
0: sensibilities are like making it impossible for me to process this information. I was not expecting to talk about this on the podcast. The true horror. This is the true horror <laughs> of, of this Kion. movie. This movie is true true horror.
1: I know you'd, it'd be so cold, Kate. Can you imagine? It'd be so cold. You
0: would have such a high tolerance for so much living in a place like this. I know. It's not like some people are inherently better than other people or stronger than other people but just by like the nature of their environment that they just grow to be hardier in some way. But I feel like even if I was born in a place like this as a small infant, I would die. Like I would just be like, (laughs) mom, let
1: me back in and work. (laughs) No paved roads, no alcohol, no toilet
0: paper. It's a better septic system in the (laughs) womb than there is in this place. Oh my gosh. Taking shelter wherever they could take shelter, of course, is of the utmost priority. I was expecting them to try and make it into a grocery store first because I think that I've been trained by zombie movies to expect people to look for a grocery store or a market or something to try and get – Shotgun shells, supplies, literally anything that they can. So I was deeply concerned about what they were going to do for food and water because they spent the first 18
1: days in that attic. Well, water they'd be able to get from melting the ice if they can sneak outside and find a clean patch. That, I felt, was taken care of. Okay. Food. So (laughs) this is another thing I learned from idiot abroad (laughs) (laughs) they eat a lot of frozen foods and they don't use their ovens very often Mm. whale meat is a big whale and caribou meat actually is a big part of their diet and it's eaten frozen
0: oh okay
1: they'd pull a chunk of meat out of the freezer and just cut a slab off and there you go there's your meat like that's how they'd eat it so they're a little more used to not having cooking appliances going which I thought made this make more sense in that arena yeah but it was also very funny to watch somebody go through that <laughs> these
0: are also the type of households that usually have like a separate like meat freezer right they're they don't just have like one fridge they're like okay here's our caribou fridge
1: and here's our God. whale fridge <laughs> you could probably just put a box outside and throw your stuff in it i think the average temperatures up here are close to zero or below you don't really need a freezer <laughs> It's wild. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. It is. Totally different life. It is. There's a line that Eben says, we live here for a reason because nobody else can. And thinking about all the things that made living in that little attic and the things that I know now they had to do to survive that they were used to, that really rings true seeing the time skips
0: in this movie made me wish that it was like a mini series. So you could dive into that
1: chunk in the middle. Yeah. Cause
0: I feel like the, the opening is great. There's the like initial start of it and the initial like slaughter of like the townspeople. And then you just know that like now they're in survival mode and then it says 18 days later (laughs) on the screen. And I felt like that was like, shocking but then immediately like a little underwhelming because I was like oh we don't see the
1: struggle strife
0: and the struggle exactly where I mean I think the length of this movie was good and I don't think that making it longer would have helped it and so it was something where I'm like oh if this had been like a two-parter or if it was like a three or four episode miniseries or something like that could have been interesting just to see like a little bit more of that but for what we got out of this movie. I think it was probably fine.
1: Yeah, I was actually going to say almost the opposite. I think you're right. I think if they could dig into those days a bit more, that it would make a really good miniseries. The movie itself, I was kind of wishing the middle was a bit condensed because it's a lot of waiting around, but not by much. Overall, I think the movie's
0: pretty tight. I think that because it's this cat and mouse game that they're playing, there's kind of necessarily a lot of that waiting. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a good movie, but I will say I just don't think that maybe the, like, acting or writing was, like, quite there to make me really invested in them, like, waiting in one place for so long. I don't know. Maybe it was just, like, some plot could have been more robust or something around that dynamic of, like, people fighting over wanting to leave versus wanting to stay or you know just something to like bring up the drama a little bit because I do agree with you that because it lags a little bit while they're waiting it does take out some of the tension like I feel like the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie has a lot of like action and a lot of like really scary stuff and then the waiting in the middle
1: like not so much there's a little bit of that right with the dad but it's not enough, and it's funny you bring that up. Uh, I read the comic book after seeing the movie, so I wasn't sure what to expect. But the movie, you could say it's true to the comic. Uh, the The core of it is true to the comic. the The character, the major characters, are true to the comic. There's a few differences, but the meat of it, what we're talking about, with the the waiting period in the comic, it's like. A two-page spread it's like and then this shit happened for a while right <laughs> Oh, okay <laughs> so they do the same kind of skip they do skip you know yeah you're right that that first 18 day skip is very jarring you're like oh they can do this like they can make it if they can make it 18 they can make it 30 totally. but um yeah in the comic book they just they kind of skip over that part okay i i like when movies can take that and expand on it without ruining the the soul of the story, mm-hmm. which I think this movie did a good job with. Actually they added stuff to that part to flesh it out a bit more and flesh out some secondary characters. And you're right, I kind of wish they either fleshed out more or they just cut out some of the uh, lulls. Mm-hmm. They had very little to work with for that part of the story. So I appreciate what they came up with. As mentioned,
0: this is an honest to goodness horror movie. This is the beginning and the end. There's the lull in the middle, but I am willing, <laughs> probably like by the nature of this season, it has like made my opinion of this movie so much better because this is like the <laughs> first and only like real
1: horror movie that we've done this season. Yeah, it's scary. And w- oh, one of the things I love about this movie is that vampires are not unknown to the characters Mm -hmm. they know what a vampire is they throw rules at you like well i don't want to live forever like this or the sun's gonna come up and then i'm gonna die or you know things like this and i kept looking for it on every rewatch like where do they say this where where does this get figured out they just know it Mm -hmm. they just know these rules And so many horror movies and horror shows posit to the audience that you're in this alternate dimension where people don't know what zombies are or vampires or whatever, right? In Walking Dead, they call them walkers instead of zombies. Like, why don't you just call them zombies? That's what they are because they don't know what zombies are.
0: Definitely. It seems like vampires used to be known in this world as mythology or something in their cultural history they they seem to implicitly understand what vampires are I mean if this is a fully fictional world that's very close to how we are right like we went into this season with an understanding generally of what vampires as monsters are like but I am curious if you were to see a monster like the ones that they see would you assume things about it
1: there are certain things that are vampiric like the timing in which they showed up was very convenient mm-hmm. and they do. I was going to say they drink blood, but geez, honestly, they just like mangle your neck. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: they, uh, they seem to have bloodlust, but yeah. they seem to just have like flesh bloodlust. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, their teeth are so pointy and like aggressive it's not my cultural conception Mm -hmm. of what a vampire is like when I see it maybe for them it is I think that in our day-to-day life for me to believe that something was a vampire I would need to maybe see a very pale man with fangs Drinking blood from someone's neck in the nighttime. Yeah. Then I would say, like, oh, you're a vampire. Like, I would believe that you're a vampire. But if I saw these types of creatures where they're so feral when they're eating, I would think maybe it's a type of vampire. (laughs) Maybe this means that there are other vampire-like
1: creatures in the world. (laughs) Yeah, I expect my vampires to be a little more suave than these guys. They also don't clean up after themselves. They're always caked with old blood. They leave, like, giant piles of,
0: like, blood everywhere because of how aggressively they eat. They're, like, dirty. They're filthy animal vampires. They're not aristocrats.
1: To me, these vampires are like the equivalent of zombies that can run.
0: I do not want to deal with
1: these vampires. They are a nightmare.
0: They're very intelligent. I mean, there is a familiar, the stranger, who comes at the beginning and... He's seeking favor with them, right? And so he is sabotaging the town, knowing that these vampires are going to be coming. But just the amount of almost strategy that they have. I mean, they know that there is this town that is going to be plunged into darkness for 30 days. So they are just going to come and have a buffet. They show up. All their vampire clan shows up. They know that there's, like still a source of outside communication with the telecommunications tower. And so one of the first kills that we see are those like
1: telecommunications engineers. Yes, we lose the threesome before it ever began. Ah uh, sad. <laughs> i I thought that was so funny how we are introduced to these characters as a trio trying to have some sort of weird threesome or I don't know if it's if they're trying to hang out, but they make these weird threesome jokes. And then both dudes get it.
0: I do wonder if the 30 days for the kind of like young kids or early 20s, yeah. like folks in town is kind of like a rumspringa. Yeah. Where they're like 30 days. Like we've snuck in our booze. We've snuck in our drugs. And we're just going to party for 30 days
1: um, until the vampires eat them all. Right. And I appreciate how the vampires – have planned how to protect themselves they want to stay a myth they don't want people to think they're real so they're like we're just going to set the whole town on fire and everyone will just (laughs) think that's why everyone's dead
0: they're intelligent monsters they just seem like they're not human in so many of the things that they do but they have
1: that degree of intelligence to plan
0: things which makes it even more scary
1: I mean, they look human in form, but when you look at their face, they don't look human. This this movie, I think, is an excellent example of good CGI usage mm-hmm. for their faces. Their faces are quite scary.
0: They have those bizarre pupils yeah. and irises close up, especially like really strange their teeth are these, like, jagged, gross teeth. <laughs> yeah, they're not just two fangs. It's hard to imagine that these creatures started as humans and became vampires. But in this movie, we see them turn people into so vampires. cool, yeah.
1: You even see yes. the teeth changing, mm-hmm. which I thought was neat. And you see them sort of slowly lose their humanity and realize they're losing their humanity, which I find so sad. It is sad. I just think it's, like, such a great
0: way to make vampires, which are just really defanged through so much of media these days, into a scary creature. It's like, okay, how do we reassert that vampires are actually horrifying? And we see them kill in extremely brutal ways. I mean, we see like the throats get slashed. One of the guys, his head ends up on a pike. It's scary.
1: It's like actually genuinely scary to like see how they kill people. It is scary. And they're smart about turning people too. They're like, we don't want to turn anybody from this town. We just want to eat. Where do you think they've been hiding all these years? Where's their hideout?
0: It's a good question. I would have to imagine that they're, they've either been kind of going rural town to rural town, covering their tracks like this, where they just kill everybody and then just burn any survivors. Oh, my gosh. After watching this movie, I feel like it's very possible that they hang out just in very like northern hemispheres like during the winters and because they just would have so much more freedom
1: I don't know where do you think I was thinking maybe this movie would lean into them being from Transylvania like we all expect Mm. I also really like to think that they're responsible for Roanoke
0: you know what that's gonna just be my like headcanon going forward (laughs) (laughs) they did it any like mysterious town disappearance I'm gonna say like oh it's these vampires totally obviously yeah a, a couple more notes about just like some good horror elements from this yeah. because I just like want to heap praise on it is I really like the horror trope of people being stranded somewhere with no way out. Oh, yeah. It like really piques like my anxiety when watching something when you're like, oh, even if they got out of the attic, even if they got to the market. Even if they got a running head start, there's literally nowhere for them to go and no one to save them. Yeah, uh,
1: there's no paved roads. They've killed all their sled dogs. They've taken out the helicopter. The airport is closed down. There's no way out. Idiot abroad. Let's go back to that. Carl's (laughs) marching to his little cabin, and I think it's maybe two or three miles away. He's doing it through five feet of snow. And he has to pull all his shit on a sled and it takes him nine hours. <laughs> oh my God. So I can't imagine these guys escaping.
0: <laughs> they, as you mentioned, seem to know how to deal with vampires. And so they are clever and they're like, oh, well, we're going to lure them here where there's a UV light. Oh, I love that scene. <laughs> and they're like, we'll just hit them with a the UV light. And it's gross it it, is. it's
1: really gross when he yeah. kills that female vampire oh yeah that was one scene where I was like you know how do they know this where, where has it been stated that they can't have the son I guess we're just assuming but I was like fuck it I don't care I'm so glad this is here because <laughs> I love <laughs> watching her in. get cooked yeah <laughs> I love her getting cooked and I love her reaction she becomes completely feral mm-hmm. she can barely talk anymore she's just screeching and then Marlo who's I think her lover, her vampire lover, he bends over to finish her off. It's really cold, pun not intended or whatever, but it's really cold the way he handles it. He just says, you know, you got hurt, so we got to finish you off. That's just the way it goes. (laughs) And he doesn't even
0: kiss her goodbye. (laughs) He just eats her neck. They're very practical. And I think that that's part of like the inhuman nature of them, right? And I'm not sure if it's because they like lose that part of themselves when they become vampires or – It seems like they're maybe quite old, and so maybe just lovers come and go. (laughs) So it doesn't matter if you lose one here or there. I liked, um, I liked how smart these guys were in terms of survival. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, very beginning of the movie, Sheriff Eben is investigating some of this weirdness. The dogs are dead. People are saying their cell phones have been stolen. Stella's car cable is cut, you know, there's just like all of these like things adding up. And then he sees one guy has been killed and he immediately goes like into the town and he's like, everybody get inside and lock your doors. Yeah. And I was like, yes, this is a competent person. Thank you. They're not <laughs> fucking around.
1: Yeah. I I like how the characters were allowed to be competent. It didn't matter yes. how competent they were in this scenario. Yes.
0: Yes. And that's what makes it scary. And like, there are just elements of this movie, maybe because it was based on a comic book first. Although I did like the bit of trivia that the creator of the comics tried to pitch this as a movie, got shut down, and then went. And wrote it as a comic.
1: That explains a lot. And yes. at the end of the comic, you can read his script that he sent.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: And I was <laughs> I was reading it, and I was like, "This isn't the script for the movie. What is this? It didn't. It didn't click." <laughs> but now with our combined forces, yeah,
0: there we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He uh, he pitched it as a movie. No one picked it up. He wrote it as a comic, and then I think it was Sam Raimi who said, "Yeah, let's let's produce this. This is good." I think that when a creator has put that much thought into something and they have smart, competent characters who are up against basically a force of nature, it just like amps up the horror. Like, I don't ever feel like horror is improved when our protagonists are idiots. Mm -hmm.
1: Then you kind of want them to die.
0: Yeah, which I mean, that has its place. Sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm okay watching Jason kill all these people. This is
1: fine. (laughs) But here you're rooting for these people and you're rooting for people you wouldn't necessarily root for. The gruff guy in the beginning, you have this old dementia-laden man, you have the sheriff and his ex-wife, you have characters that have some conflict around them, but you're rooting for them all. And they they all work together. This is a movie about teamwork. (laughs) (laughs) It is.
0: And I feel like it's a movie where the protagonists are the humans which I think in a lot of the other movies we've done this season it was either that the vampires were the protagonists or were like on pretty equal footing you're following them
1: and so you care for them
0: yeah so you don't want the vampires to necessarily lose yeah although watching Tom Cruise. Like, almost eat it like multiple times in the interview was
1: pretty good. (laughs) And the vampires don't even lose in this movie, which I also appreciate. Yes. They get away. I mean, it it wouldn't make
0: sense. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense for them to lose.
1: Right. Josh Hartnett has a great slash bizarre idea to inject himself with some vampire blood and become a vampire himself. And now that he has vampire strength, he can go and fight the vampires so that he can save the town and give give Stella enough time to escape. It ended up being super cool. I was like, how does this work? <laughs> how do you know this is going to work? <laughs> I will
0: say it was a little hard to suspend my disbelief. Yeah. Because it seemed like when other characters were in the process of getting turned, that it was pretty quick yes. and it was hard to imagine that Josh Hartnett was able to rein in the power of the vampire in order to kill the vampire leader and not just be like,
1: I'm a vampire now and I'm going to eat humans. (laughs) And not even that. When they're done kicking out the vampires, he has enough internal strength to go and watch his last sunrise with his wife, with his ex-wife. I think they kiss or they hug, right? And he doesn't- They
0: like kiss. Yeah. When he's like a gross vampire and it's like, Is he just the best man in the world? Not even turning into a vampire can stop his love for his (laughs) ex-wife.
1: That was probably the part where I most suspended my disbelief.
0: I mean, I was right there with the movie kind of up until the end. I think that his martyrdom to save the town totally in line with his character. I think the fact that there's like basically no one left in this town He's the sheriff. He's already the role of the protector. So like him taking that to the very bitter end is great. And I liked that they watch the dawn together as he dies. Yeah. I thought that that was good.
1: I enjoyed all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It was just the method in which he accomplishes that. That was a little weird. Well, there was some great gore in this movie. We've kind of talked about a little bit uh, the way the vampires. Brutalize their meals. Again, we get another curb stomping scene in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) What is it with vampire movies and curb stomping? (laughs) I know they have this woman they send out like as a trap. She she's calling for help, and it's pretty obvious that they are just hoping she'll lure more food out for them. And it fails because again, we are not following a bunch of idiots. We're following some smart people. They circle around her. And she is just like, I'm trying here. No one's listening or they're all dead already. Can you just leave me alone? (laughs) (laughs) And she starts praying to God. And he looks at her and he says, no, God. And I don't believe in God, but I found that extremely chilling. I think the idea that something or someone is there to help you even if it is spiritual help or a mythological being it's still a, a sense of hope and he just erases it there is no hope in that statement and then they proceed to beat her in a circle gang violence that just seemed like petty
0: like they weren't killing her for sustenance they weren't killing her for survival They were killing her because
1: she didn't do what they needed her to do. They probably would have killed her anyway. But yeah, it seemed like they were having a lot of fun with it. They were scratching her face. They were hitting her. They were putting her on the ground and kicking her. I mean, they were just going for it. I felt so bad for her. And thankfully, the main characters, again, because they're smart, they didn't come out and help her because what can you do? You can't do anything. They made the right choice. They know
0: what would happen if they tried to save her. They would just all get killed, yeah. too. I thought that the most horrific thing in the movie is when that guy's arm yes. gets eaten up.
1: <laughs> Poor Billy.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Like, everything with Billy. I mean, because yeah. he gets his Arm like stuck
1: in that wood chipper crusher. I don't even thing. remember. I just remember seeing it in the beginning. They show it, and I'm like, oh, that's some foreshadowing. <laughs> that's going to be gross <laughs> later. Yeah, it's a Chekhov's evil <laughs> machinery. <laughs> and poor Billy, he's killed his family by this point, also. Yes. Yeah. He was trying to spare them the horror of vampires, and the gun didn't go off when it came to his turn so he has to also live with well you know up until this point he has to live with the fact that he's murdered his family which i thought was kind of funny after the beginning where he's giving stella so much shit for leaving evan he still
0: gets turned into a vampire and then he has to get killed by his friend oh yeah his
1: head gets chopped off yes evan kills him i like how it's like a shock to the audience he pushes the vampire in the mulcher, and you think he's gone in, but he hasn't. He doesn't follow. So it's like, oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. He's okay. And then he turns around, and you're like, he's not okay. He's not okay at all.
0: <laughs> it's a good moment. It's yeah. a good horror moment. The surprise. I love it. Yeah. We've talked a lot about the vampires and how vampire and unvampire like they are in this movie, but what other
1: traits? do they have well they make really horrifying sounds in this Mm, movie that you don't hear in any of the other vampire movies they're like demon screams yes
0: we don't know the origin of where vampires came from in this but it seems like from the way that they
1: scream it's so unworldly yeah this is where the element of maybe religion rears its head. They they feel demonic or what we would equate to demonic. That's a word flavored by our affinity for religion. But whatever that word means to the individual using it, that's what I feel like these guys are. They become demonic. Mm-hmm. They're no longer people. And their screams are no longer human. We've talked about their faces, even as like the humans
0: are turned into vampires, we see their their teeth and their faces start to change. Um, We see Billy as he's screaming, his screams start to become more and more like demonic until... Evan kills him. It just is all of these layers of whatever was left of their humanity just gets stripped away as soon as they turn into these creatures. It's a really cool take on the
1: vampire myth. I also liked their unique method of uh, murder, I guess. How do you kill a vampire? It's really specific. Their heads have to be Removed. It's it's like a zombie.
0: Yeah, it's very head oriented. I think that we saw in some of the other movies head stuff, but I mean in this movie, it's very specific. It has to be the head. And it almost seems like it has to be the brain mm-hmm. because when <laughs> Evan, uh Vampire Evan stands off against Marlo at the end, he uses his vampire strength to vampire punch Marlo in the face through the mouth. he punches all the way through his head
1: <laughs> it's so good it's a little corny when you look at it but I was like this is so cool I love this exit for Marlo it's great it's a little corny yeah
0: watching it you're like this is how this ends? But it's it's fun. It's a, it's a fun ending. And like, yeah, that's, that's how strong they are is they can literally just punch through someone's head.
1: They actually took that from the comic book. That's how the I head know. vampire gets it in the comic book as well. It made me appreciate it a bit more. Do you recommend this movie, Kate? I think this was your first time watching it. Oh my God. Run, do not
0: walk to watch this movie. <laughs> Please go watch it. It's fun. It's a good... Vampire Horror movie. I think that this is the only vampire horror movie I have ever seen. And so like, by that regard, I mean, and I'm saying that in the true sense of like this is not a horror romance. this is not a horror drama, horror thriller horror superhero movie. It is just a vampire horror movie, and for that, it gets full marks. highly recommend.
1: Me too. I was so excited when you said we were doing a vampire season because I was most looking forward to watching this one with you. It's super fun. It's super scary. And it's unique. Uh, If you are into vampires as we know them or as we think we know them, it may not be for you or, you know, watch it. But if, if you're not into like true horror, but you like vampires, this one might scare you. If you like horror definitely see this one it's great
0: if there are other vampire horror movies things that you listen to this whole season you're like wow i can't believe that they did not cover this obscure scandinavian vampire horror movie from 1967 please tell us because i would love to watch more true vampire horror movies i would love to add it to our list and we love hearing from you guys So let us know what you thought of the movies this season and let us know what other vampire movies uh, we missed and you would like to hear about.
1: We will see you next week for the finale.
0: This was not quite dead. Check out our other episodes
1: wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at notquitedeadpodcast and on Twitter at nqd underscore podcast. Follow our blog
0: for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and happy watching.